Hey guys, it's Terrence Mann. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E-Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's going on, guys? This is Logan from Here the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We're here on Tuesday night talking some Florida State football. We're getting very close to kickoff. We're only 11 days away from traveling over to Jacksonville to watch Florida State face on Boise State. How are you guys doing this evening? No, I didn't introduce y'all. My bad. My bad. I know y'all are waiting for that. Lead writer, Dustin Lewis. Don't set. Don't Lead graphic it. designer, Don't Fisher Adkins. Fisher Let's Adkins. Go. All right. There we go. I know. I didn't screw it. I didn't mess it up this time. Y'all having a good evening? Yeah, it's going well. I'm just, I'm really excited with how close we are getting to the season. I mean, it's right around the corner. It honestly doesn't even really feel like it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can kind of feel it in the air. We're going to have college football on Saturday, uh, Gators and Canes. Hopefully both teams will lose that game. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> so just getting excited to actually, you know, stop stop wondering how the season's going to look and actually see how it all unfolds. Yeah, no, I, I get that same feeling, Dustin. We're extremely close to kickoff, but we're, I don't feel... I mean, it does feel like football seasons in the air, like Fisher said, but it's it's coming quick. It feels like you know we'll have this weekend with the Gators and Canes, and then next weekend Florida State will finally play. Who, who y'all got in that game with UF and Miami? Honestly, uh, I I mean I I hate them both, but I'm just gonna say Florida. That was really descriptive. I don't want you to be that descriptive next time. <laughs> I feel like the Gators' defense will be the factor in the game. And yeah. I think Felipe will throw a couple darts. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a Felipe homer just because, you know, he went he went to school down the road over at Wakola, so mm-hmm. respect to the local kids. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to pick a winner, but if I had to, Dan Mullen is a – He's a good coach, and I think Felipe Franks is a good quarterback. I can't even say it without you know. I know. That felt really bad coming out of your uh, mouth. Just like cringing a little bit. Let's just just move on. (laughs) Sounds good to me. Need to go brush my teeth. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. No. Well, Florida State's currently, while recording this, we picked a beautiful time to record this. Uh, Florida State's currently in a practice, started around 7 o'clock. Right off the top of my head, uh, going in is Joshua Kando, who's missed quite a bit of time 
uh, during fall camp and practice so far. Uh, and that, that's a good sign for Florida State. Of course, the media there is just to observe uh, warm-ups and a little bit of the drills. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's getting uh, full-time reps and whatnot. But it's probably a very good sign that uh, he's got full pads on uh, running into practice. Absolutely. And I, I really just felt like the coaching staff, it, I didn't think that his injury was serious. It was more so the coaches just kind of making sure he'll be ready to go when FSU opens up the season against Boise State, just precautionary. Yeah, it's a little bit of a sigh of relief, um, you know, as we kind of transition into game week, um, seeing obviously Josh Kando is kind of the latest name to, to pop as he's back at practice tonight. But um, I'm sure you're going to mention guys like Terry and Wilson coming back too. So the way it looks right now, for the most part, you look pretty healthy and credit to the coaches just for uh, playing it safe and being precautionary with those guys. Mm-hmm. Like you noted, Fisher uh, on Monday to Marion Terry and Marvin Wilson, the two your two biggest stars on the team heading into 2019, uh, were seen at practice, full uh, participants. Also, Christian Meadows and freshman Malcolm Ray. He had his right ankle taped, but it looked like he was also a full participant. Another guy, as of right now tonight, uh, also who missed, he missed the uh, Monday practice is Levante Taylor, your defensive back. He was spotted running into a practice just a few minutes ago. So some some good signs. Uh, Cole Minshew, offensive lineman, uh, he's still not been spotted at all uh, during practice. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, if he'll pretty much be medically uh, disqualified. It, it seems like things aren't going in his favor. I know we've heard that it's it's not looking well. Uh, so Florida State might be without Cole Minshew uh, for the rest of the 2019 season. We'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the week. Um, also, we didn't record last week, but uh, Jalen Parks, also def- defensive lineman, has been uh, medically disqualified. He is no longer with the team. Uh, he had an injury. Uh, what was it? Was it last spring, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, he's he's really been dealing with injuries since he got to Florida State. But last year, he suffered an ankle injury, and he just hasn't been able to recover from it enough to be able to play college football. I think it was – it might have been fall camp last year. Yeah, and like Dustin said, ankle injury that just never really healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's he's no longer with Florida State heading into the new season. I want to kind of get into a little bit of Florida State's first scrimmage, uh, and there was not a lot that came out of it. Uh, there was one name – uh, that I heard on my end, and there was other out, other outlets that also mentioned it. Uh, running back Kalen LeBourne supposedly had a pretty nice day for himself, which is pretty interesting to me because during media day, he was telling a lot of uh, the media members that he doesn't feel like he's you know up to 100% yet and his cuts aren't there. Uh, and he's hoping that he could still get some flashes uh, next or coming in to uh, the first week and the rest of the season. But he he mentioned, you know, I'm not fully there. I hope I can get, uh, you know, get my health fully recovered and be able to do what he used to do. Uh, and I, I'm just, I don't know, I'm kind of puzzled here because I keep on hearing really good things about him during 
practices and during the scrimmage, and he's saying he's not 100%, but I know we saw a video yesterday of him uh, hurdling freshman DB Akeem Dent. Uh, so it seems like it's a good sign, at least in my personal opinion, to see him, of course, having a great scrimmage, being the star in that first one, and but also, you know, hurdling, which probably you don't want to see after a guy that just had knee surgery. Uh, but him, you know, I don't know if he's just playing some kind of game saying he's not there, but I, on my end of things, I've only been hearing uh, some solid uh, news about him. Yeah, and I really think the hurdle over Akeem Dent just shows how confident he is in that D after the injury and an extensive rehab to get back on the field. So <clears throat> to see him testing it and, making cuts, not really second-guessing himself from what we've seen in videos, that's that's already great because you see with some guys, when they come back from those injuries like that, they'll second-guess themselves, and then there's, they're just never quite the same player they were again because they're afraid they're going to re-injure themselves. And it's it's really crucial that you know he, he can get up to feeling 100% just because uh, you feel really good if you can have a, a healthy Cam Akers and a healthy – Kalen LeBourne, uh, but you know, aside from those two guys, you really don't have great depth at the running back position. So, getting him 100% ready to go, uh, fully confident, is is really big for this offense. One thing also, which we don't have written on here to bring up, is Anthony Grant, like Fisher, or, or not mentioned by Fisher, but it kind of came to my uh, mind. I believe we did not see him on at practice yesterday. Is that correct, Dustin? Um, yeah, he was missing from the running backs group yesterday. Okay, okay. So that's something to keep an eye on. Definitely heading the rest of this week to see if he's there. One uh, one thing just to note on, you know, staying with the running backs before we transition to is, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned how they don't have great depth. However, Kendall Bryles did – uh, mentioned in his press conference this week that he does have confidence in uh, Deontay Sheffield. Uh, he's a, a walk-on guy, not not who you want to rely on to to carry a load or anything like that. But just for like depth purposes, he said he's been having a really good camp, uh, as well as the the walk-on whose name is escaping me. Um, Treshawn Ward. Yes, oh, Treshawn okay. Ward. So Kendall Bryles um, feeling really confident about those guys too, which which is good. But like I said, not who you want to rely on, but just for the sake of depth and, uh, you know, confidence to guys that, that are having good camp. So if Kalen LeBourne is 100%, you know, Cam Akers also has a chip on his shoulder heading into the season. He wasn't at all happy with his production last year. Uh, what do you guys, who do you guys think scores the first touchdown? Kalen LeBourne or Cam Akers? Huh. Well, it's a I mean, pretty interesting one to me. What if what if I think the touchdown is going to be through the air? Then I'd pick. Or are you talking Warren. about the first rushing touchdown? I'm thinking about any kind of touchdown. Honestly, I would I would probably have to go with LeBorn, just because mm-hmm. I feel like he's more he's more of a versatile back. So when when Florida State starts throwing the ball, I feel like LeBorn is the back that'll be more useful in those kind of settings. Mm-hmm. I think it's a coin flip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is, but... 
I know we put it on our Instagram a couple of days ago, and about 80% was Cam Akers. So that's pretty interesting, because I also picked Kane LeBourne to take that. Um, how much money are we betting? Let me see. Let's see what's in my pocket. <laughs> 25 cents. I got a nickel and a penny. I have a coupon to Applebee's. All right. We'll go with Fisher's. One dollar my ties all month long. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, They're real, paying me that task one. So. Real quick to a guy that's uh, in the uh, NFL, former Noel, big star, uh, who had a great rookie season, beat up my Steelers quite a bit. Derwin James, uh, some bad news over there in L.A., uh, managed to have a stress fracture injury in his foot, uh, and it's looking like I don't think we'll hear official, official word on it at, until after surgery, but it's looking like a minimum of three months, which that's, I'm, I feel bad for him. That's terrible. He was going to, I mean, he uh, and Jalen Ramsey, I mean, these two cats were, are representing Florida State pretty well with their production out in the NFL, but this is not not great news for sure. That would be pretty much kind of november-ish for him yeah. uh and that's tough definitely for a charters game. team that has has some potential too yeah i mean it's a really unfortunate injury for derwin i don't know if you guys saw the latest update but apparently the the cause of the fracture was a screw in his foot bent and the mm. the screw in his foot was originally inserted during a surgery he had at Florida State. So, I mean, that's definitely interesting. Yeah, and like you said, you know, not to get too far in the NFL or whatever, but the Chargers are a team poised really to contend for a Super Bowl. Um, mm -hmm. I think they were one of the at least top five teams who, who kind of had the best odds this year. So that's a, that's a major blow to a guy that after his rookie year is voted the 31st best player in the entire NFL. So um, just really – just kind of a sucky situation um, for a guy as talented as he is, you know. And and like you said, you know, or not like you said, but he missed that season at Florida State. It just it sucks not seeing Derwin James play football because when he is playing football, it's one of the most fun things to watch. So it is. He's he's always flying around the field too, and that was he was on my radar that entire game. Whenever we faced him, uh, yeah. that was not fun whatsoever. <laughs> So hopefully they can make a postseason run, and we'll see Derwin return and wreak some havoc. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and just on the injury one last time, I think the reason he's expected to be out for three to four months is because they have to remove that screw from a bone, and then either they have to mm. insert another screw or like the longer option is to wait for the bone to regenerate. So Jesus. that could be why it's supposed to take so long. Mm. Hey. Mm -mm. That's what they had to. That's what had to happen with Gordon Hayward. No, yeah, that's not a. It's not a good, fun procedure. Mm -mm -mm. Well, best of luck. We hopefully we can see him get back into his regular plane. You know, he came back uh, during his injury at Florida State, but uh, we didn't get to see him as well as we did his freshman year. But we saw what he brought to the table for the Chargers last year, and that was really fun to watch. The last breaking news. Uh, for uh, today on Tuesday, the turnover backpack is officially <laughs> gone. 
per Willie Taggart. He talked with Danny Cannell today, said that is no longer on the table. Bye-bye to that. Didn't really see it a lot last year anyways, uh, but that is gone. Um, I want to get y'all's full in-depth opinion on that one. I mean, it was definitely cheesy. I feel like for some reason last year, it felt like every college football team had their their separate yeah I don't I don't know what you call it trophy or or whatever for whenever they got a turnover and it really just it all kind of seemed like a playoff of what Miami started doing in 2017 with the turnover chain so yeah I felt like with Florida State and then definitely with some of the other teams around the nation it was kind of cheesy but if you do it well. It, it looks great, and it, it hypes the players up, and I'm sure the crowd wouldn't mind it as much, but I don't know. With the way the backpack was, it, it just didn't work. <laughs> it's nah. College football has become so gimmicky. Everyone's yeah, got yeah. to have, gotta have a prop or a thing, and especially with recruiting and the way that you know recruits are treat, tweeted or treated and how they act <laughs> on Twitter. College football is all about gimmicks and who has the coolest toys and whatever, so – uh, Taggart did say that they're just going to play football this year, so it kind of sounds like they're kind of just going away from the whole, uh, you know, kind of idea of something entirely. So, God, I hope not. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's 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 good just to kind of see that this team is not focused on trends or gimmicks or whatever else, and they just want to play football. But I think everyone collectively is relieved to see the bag uh, no longer be secured. Do you think? Do you guys think that if Florida State would have had two takeaways against Virginia Tech, then the fan base would have been fine with it, and then the, you would have seen the bag out during that actually, game? Or actually, do th- I do think so. If Florida State is up like forty-two to thirteen, and they're just getting picks, like <laughs> people probably love it. Yeah, so it's really all about context. It was bad timing. For the debut, it was just like it's stupid to like get blown out by Syracuse and then like the next week like pull out the bag against like I don't know like Louisville or who I don't even know. But <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really is all about gross Louisville, Jesus. And like uh, I mean, Louisville. um, Louisville's trash. The city's trash. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, someone pissed off Fisher from Louisville. Anyway, who did it? Here we go. I, ha- I have that. I have that. Like sixty-two to. Yeah, it's in my mind still. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, it really is all about the context. But you know, so it would be a bad look. I think continuing that on in the 2019. So yeah, what do you think, Dustin? Just going back to your yeah, just going back to your original comment. I definitely think people would have been more accepting of the backpack. But overall, I, I still think the feeling would be that it's yeah. kind of cheesy. Yeah, but, no, it is. I mean, it has nothing to do with Florida State on it. Yeah. Kind of red. There's no, I mean, add a spear on there or something. I think everyone would be down for like a like a spear on the sideline. That's what I was going to say. Like, what would you guys think if Florida State did something different? Absolutely. Guy comes off and picks up a spear and like turns towards a crowd and, you know, yeah. plants. I guess he can. Then you get into the old head or the older fans, though, and they'll be uh, like, oh, you can't play it. You got to play it only in the, on the head in the middle of the field. I think it's just all silly. It's Florida State. Throw it into the crowd. Yeah. It'd be it'd be fine until some throw it into the crowd. <laughs> he's gonna like steal his foot, so it'd be fine until that. 
Look for that one guy that always wears uh, gator stuff to Florida State games. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Into the visitors section. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. complaining about it. Here you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's my. always that one guy at the the Florida State versus Northern Illinois game who's just decked out in full Gators attire for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the chomping people's faces. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you take Wrong a little stadium, bit of this? Bud. Yeah, <laughs> take a little bit of this, buddy. Right in there. Um, so yeah, the turnover backpack is gone. I'm glad that that spent most of our time in the opening segment there, going over the highlights pretty much of the last week and a half. But we do we did do a Q and A we put out on Twitter, uh, and it was a little late notice, but we did get a few questions on here to answer from you guys. And thank you guys as always, uh, giving us some content to talk about. I'm going to start off with the first one here. Uh, how big of a role will Willie Taggart play in the offense this season compared to last? Who wants to take the first answer on that? No, you got it. You got it. It's time to switch it out. I think Fisher needs to start taking the first spot here. Um. All right, I'll just go ahead and we'll give. Yeah, let's just start talking about it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, can we cut it real quick and like? Yeah. <laughs> I got. <laughs> Dang, Dustin broke him. <laughs> Dustin really threw me off my game. Though. Yeah, hold on. Um, it, it it appears like Taggart has really entrusted the offense to Kendall Bryles this year, uh, as well as Randy Clements. Um, it's kind of been noted on recently that it, it appears Taggart's really taken more of a CEO role, um, just kind of, um you know, managing the entire team as a whole, uh, whether that's culture or roster moves or just kind of, you know, uh, overseeing really the whole, the whole production of, of the team. Um, so, you know, it looks like Kendall Bryles is, is, has the reins and, um, you know, just knowing how well he and Randy Clements work together. Uh, I think that's probably for the best. Um, mm-hmm. Let them do their thing. Let them do what you hired them to do. And that is to work together and they know, you know exactly what it takes to make this offense successful. So uh, it's the right move by Taggart to do that. And and like I said, I think he's going to give them total control. Um, he's got the last say as far as you know who your quarterback is, and you know maybe if he really wants to run something, you know he, obviously he's going to give his input and, and you know what he says goes. But um, I think he really trusts those guys. He likes those guys. And this is kind of something Taggart did at the end of end of last season too. You know, it started off the year Taggart was the play caller. He was your OC even though he had Walt Bell. And then around November, uh, Taggart um, gave over the, the play calling duties to Walt Bell mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, it wasn't working. And he mentioned, you know, he's he's going to do what's best for the team, uh, kind of put his pride aside, even though I think Taggart would like to be the play caller just, you know, because that's what he's brought here to do. He's an offensive guy and he takes pride in that. But, you know, he also he also knows what, what's best and his role is best served as just being the, the GM right now and, and making sure that that everything's running smoothly as a whole so yeah i really thought last year he showed um exceptional humility when he, when he turned over the play calling duties to walt bell and then that furthered into this offseason where it seems like he's just given like you mentioned fisher fisher <clears throat> total control to kendall bryles to kind of let that duo of Bryles and Clements go to work like they've done at past stops. So for, for me, it's, it's really just impressive to see a guy who's been a play caller 
his entire career take this different approach and I'm excited to see how it works out. All right, so the second question is, does the team overall feel more comfortable under this 2019 coaching staff than they did with the previous year? What do you guys think on that question? I would say so. Personally, I just I feel like the chemistry between the current coaches on the staff is a lot more positive than it, than it was last year. It kind of seemed like things soured with Walt Bell amongst the uh, other guys on the coaching staff as the season went on. So just to refresh that room with Kendall Bryles, um, a new offensive line coach, obviously with, with Greg Frey moving on, and it didn't seem like the relationship was great there towards the end of his tenure. And then bringing in Ron Dugans as well, who is uh, already has a lot of relationships with the current coaches. So really, I think <clears throat> I think having – the chemistry among the coaches will benefit the players. I'll note. I want to note too, real quick before Fisher goes. Uh, I we've been seeing it. Even some coaches have been public. I know Coach Pimpleton put out a tweet or an Instagram post, uh, kind of saying how nice it is to be close as a family on the coaching staff. And both uh, Bryles and Clements coming uh, together. I think creates a good bond for them and obviously you have Ron Dugan's coming in from Miami but he's a former Noel he's going to bring that energy uh, he wants to be in Tallahassee so I think you'll see a pretty nice uh, chemistry coming through with this coaching staff yeah you know really what y'all what y'all two said I think the this, this staff overall um, just works a whole lot better uh, than, than than last year um you know, Walt Bell left, and that was not expected, and it wasn't ideal at the time. But you know, bringing in Kendall Bryles, and then you know, bringing in Randy Clements after him, um, it's definitely for the best that you have these two guys. Um, seems like a match made in heaven, really, just for this team and for this offense. And it seems like these players, uh, you know, just hearing from guys like Tamoyne Terry and, and uh, James Blackman, just about the confidence they have in, in Coach Bryles. Uh, and also hearing from some some offensive linemen, um, you know, specifically Jawan Williams, who's a guy uh, just who had no confidence last year in himself and his abilities, uh, has kind of come to life a little bit and uh, trusts himself more. And uh, and I think that's partly due to uh, the coaching that Clements has done uh, during his time at FSU, going back to the spring. So uh, it's really encouraging just to see. And, and also, you know, this is last year under Taggart. You know, going from Jimbo Fisher, for the most part, every single person on that team was recruited by Jimbo Fisher. They weren't brought in by Taggart, so this is year two under Taggart. So obviously, you have to imagine they they feel much more comfortable uh, mm -hmm. just under a new head coach. So uh, overall, I think the team, you know, just feels more comfortable and more at, more at ease and more at home. Just you know, knowing that they have a staff who's behind them and and wants to make them better. And I think I think that's uh, significantly this year. On Instagram, we got a question, which has kind of been a big topic this week. Is this really a quarterback battle? Uh, and as of right now, Willie Taggart is at the Tallahassee Quarterback Club speaking. Um, this is happening, what, Tuesday night at 7.30, so I'm going to run you through what he just said. Um, he said that there's uh, not been named a starter yet. Uh, this is straight from him. from him. He says, Someone who can throw the football, someone who can take care of the football. 
So no one's been named yet, but I want to get y'all's thoughts on that situation happening there because Alex Hornibrook came in to compete hard and for his senior year coming from Wisconsin, and then you also have Jordan Travis coming from Louisville, and who a lot think that could fit really well into this offensive scheme. So y'all tell me, is James Blackman... Does he have a chance to lose his job being a third-year guy, or do you think this is there shouldn't be any talk about it? This is James Blackman's team, no matter what, uh, heading into the Boise State game. I mean, I think when you say quarterback battle, you should put some air quotes around battle because, I mean, I, I think the coaching staff has designed this to seem like a battle, but it's it's really going to take some kind of monumental collapse from James Blackman in the next 11 days for him not to take the field as Florida State's starting quarterback to open the season. I mean, I really, I don't see any possibility he's not the starter. And I'm sure when it's announced in the next few days, that's that's what we'll find out. Obviously, Alex Hornibrook wasn't brought here to, to sit. He's going to be most likely the primary backup. That's a little up in the air now with Jordan Travis getting his eligibility. So we'll see if he can push for that number two spot. But either way, it's it's just great for the Seminoles to have some capable backups in the case Blackman is injured or for some reason has to go out. Yeah, I feel I feel like uh, Willie Tyrant's kind of just playing that game. Let him have a battle, battle, whatever you want to call it. But we've all heard from even last year when DeAndre Francois was the uh, starter that Blackman, this is pretty much his team players would come out and say he's the biggest leader, even though he's on the bench. Uh, and even James Blackman said, I believe last week during practices, said, yeah, no, this is my team. Um, but, of course, I think Willie Taggart wanted to have these guys come in, of course, for depth. But this is good competition for him. I think it's a great, uh, great idea. You don't want to have a guy that's there and you know not anybody behind him pushing him. Uh, and the biggest aspect here is that James Blackman, not only if he can show it on the field, that's really great, of course, but with your teammates and being close with them as a leader is huge for not only your wide receivers and running backs, but that position group that has been horrid with the offensive line. That offensive line will fight for uh, James Blackman. I don't think there's a battle whatsoever. Just playing games. Uh, Willie Taggart's just saying it. But uh, Blackman will most definitely get that start against Boise State. Go ahead, Fisher. Yeah, just, I mean, y'all really hit it on the head. There's, I don't think there's a true battle, but I think Taggart's giving, uh, I almost said Hockman. Uh, <laughs> what's his, I'm just blanked. Horny. Hornybrook, Hornybrook, sorry, excuse me. Um, I, I think when Hornybrook came to FSU, Taggart promised him not the job, but that he would have every opportunity to compete for the job. And so I think he's trying to stay true to his word and giving Hornybrook every opportunity possible to complete the job. Um, however, we saw Taggart pass up on Blackman last year and give Francois the job uh, and never really backed off of that, never really handed it over to James Blackman when he should have. And I don't think Taggart will make that same mistake twice. Um, Hornybrook has one year left of eligibility. Blackman has three years left of eligibility. Um, you, you know, last year you counted on Sam Howell being there. That didn't work out. I'm not saying Jeff Sims is anywhere close. To, to decommitting or whatnot but like you've got to invest in your future at Florida State and James Blackman for right now is your future quarterback and so uh, he's got to put confidence in James and he's got to let him go out and do his thing and you know in the one start that he had last year throwing for 400 yards against a, a pretty 
you know, not not a very good defense in NC State, but still throwing 400 yards behind that offensive line, behind an offense that just wasn't clicking. Mm-hmm. Imagine what he can do with Kendall Bryce. Right. So, um, you know, this is James Blackman's job. The team is behind James. The offensive line is behind James. Um, but, you know, they're, they're just trying to, to make it at least seem like a competition, not only for Alex Hornibrook, but also for James Blackman, just to keep that pressure on him, keep pushing him. Um, but I fully expect James Blackman to officially be named the starter uh, by the end of this week, because I, I think going into game week, I think it's important to have that yeah. starting guy. So I would expect, you know, end of the at latest early, early next week for James to be officially the, the starter. Yeah, no, I think it's always good to get your, your starting quarterback name. We saw it. A lot of them were named today and yesterday, so I would expect it to happen this week, in my opinion. Uh, we have two questions here from Twitter. Uh, Noel Jiffs asks, A few outlets have reported that Kendall Browse is confident he can score 40 points per game this year with these offensive weapons. Would you take the over or under on average points per game this season? Who wants to take that one first? I can take it. Um, so last year... Uh, Florida State scored 21.9 points per game. Um, this question is stating, do we think over-under on 40? Um, kind of going back to, to Kendall Bryles' last two stops, being Florida Atlantic, and then he, uh, Kendall Bryles' first year at FAU doubled their points uh, per game. Uh, FAU had 26.4 before he got there, and then about 40 when he got there. Same story at Houston, doubled their points per game. Uh, those two offenses, while they had good pieces, uh, Singletary at FAU and uh, King at, at, at Houston, Florida State's by far a much more talented team, a lot more weapons to work with. Um, so I'm going over on 40. I think that's very doable for Kendall Bryles uh, to do – for this offense. Now, are you uh, noting, are you thinking about, too, with you got a little bit more skilled players that you're playing against, against deep uh, That was a complete teams. opposite way. I thought you were taking that. I don't know. No, he did it at the at the past two stops, and this is a more talented offense, and I think he's going to do it here. And I think they're going to score at least 40 points a game. Average. Hey, well, I respect, I respect Florida Atlantic and Houston for – getting those touchdowns against Southern Mississippi, but Florida State has to play high-caliber co- high competition every year. Clemson, Florida, Miami, just to name a few on the schedule. But we're talking so, average. We're not talking every game. Well, if they scored 20 points in one game, well, it's okay. You, how many games do you think Florida State will score 40 points in? If you think they're going to average 40. One, two, three, four, five, six. At least seven games, I think they'll score 40 points or more. Or games? I'm looking at Utah Monroe, Louisville. Okay, I can see that. Wake Forest, NC State, Alabama State, Boston College, and Syracuse. I think they can score 40 points in all of those games. I'm not saying they will, just saying they can. And they scored three points against Boston College last year. I just want to throw it in there just for fun. Two years ago. Or two years ago. My bad, my bad, my bad. (laughs) 
I just I, personally, I just don't see it. I mean, I know Kendall Bry. I do expect Kendall Bryles to turn Florida State's offense around in a tremendous way in in 2019, but not not 40 points per game averaging. I, I really think Florida State will be in the. It will be close. I want to say in about the 33 point range or so. The most excitement coming into the season will definitely be on the offensive side. I mean, there's a lot of weapons there. And, of course, you have Kendall Bryles coming with Randy Clements. you got Ron Dugans with a stacked uh, wide receiver unit. Uh, you just got to hope the they offensive line average. is working. And I think, overall, a better quarterback is James Blackman over DeAndre Francois. So there's a lot of optimism going there. But 40 points is, is a lot to me. I think you'd have to see some quick answer. I mean, we've seen it with Kendall Bryles. He goes in as his first year, and he changes things around tremendously points wise uh but of course this relies a lot on that offensive line and if they can block enough to get a couple running backs into the in the end zone too yeah. you know that's what might play a big role in it and also keeping your quarterback safe it's just tough not many not many teams average 40 points per game in a season yeah florida state it's can tough to hold up that level of production if Florida State can do that and they can have an average defense, then they're going to win a lot of games this year. That's a guaranteed. If that happens to be the case, you're looking at a, at least a minimum Ten eight. Wins. Yeah, you're looking at minimum eight, definitely 40 nine. points a game. Yeah, you're looking at a pretty damn impressive team uh, next year. All right, so for our last question on Twitter here, BEasy83 tweeted us, I don't see any offensive coaches going anywhere next year. So who would you say is going to fill the 10th coaching spot next year? I know it's hard to tell now, but give me some names for pure entertainment. I'm going to give this all to you, Dustin. Well, I mean, at this point, this is all just pure speculation. I don't have any inside information. But it would be really interesting to see a guy like Terrell Buckley from Mississippi State come back home to where he played college football at and, you know, to be to be a coach. and. There's definitely there's definitely some room, you know. Florida State struggled in the defensive backfield over the last couple seasons, and with Harlan Barnett as the lone on-field coach um, tending to the defensive backfield, there's room for an assistant now that David Kelly will be moving to recruit, recruiting coordinator following uh, the 2019 season. Buckley then, also has had, sorry to cut you off, but Buckley's had a pretty nice uh, career so far at Mississippi State, just to have yeah. that in there. And he also was on Hear the Spirit, too. You know, we kind of brought it up. We're trying to get something out yeah, of him. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Yeah, Buckley was on here earlier this offseason, and we kind of teased him a little bit, asking him about if a job came up at FSU, would he be interested and I mean, he dan- he danced around the question a little bit. I mean, he did it he did it gracefully, like a coach would, and just kind of talked about his relationship with some of the guys on the staff, like Willie Taggart. So, um, his contract is might be up after this year. I think Fisher said something about that, and you know, if it if it all works out, maybe he could come back home to Tallahassee. But Florida State recently made a move. They hired Stanford Samuels Jr. onto the staff as an off-field assistant to work with the defensive backs. So he could be another candidate to bring on to the staff next season. Our last and final question 
This is an anonymous one. I can't say it was coming from me or all of us on here, uh, but I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. Um, is it Popeyes or Honey Fried Chicken Biscuit? Which one is better? Uh, or could it, it can even be Chick Fil A? I'll add that in there uh, just to blow it up even more. But is it Popeyes, Chick Fil A? Or I'm gonna add. I'm adding my own with Honey Fried Chicken Biscuit. And I only think there's chicken biscuits. They don't have that that FSU. But uh, if they were to have Honey Fried <laughs> Chicken Biscuits, um, which one would y'all pick? We talking about the new Popeyes chicken sandwich? Yep, yep, the new one. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> heard about it. Uh, if you're on the internet, Dustin, but that's pretty big hit on Twitter right now. If you're on my Twitter timeline, you apparently have heard about the Popeyes chicken sandwich. That's all my Twitter timeline is talking about. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ridiculous. Justin, so, have you have you had the sandwich? You know, I might have. I might have had a bite. <laughs> Could you give us? See, I don't. I don't know if Logan and I have gotten a chance to to go make our way over to Popeyes just yet and, and try it out. What can I get some thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to have a rundown of that. Well, my first thought is the line was really long. Mm. <laughs> like you know, you get to Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A has a long line, but they move but quickly. Chick Fil A moves at your quick. Watch and you're like, I know I'm going to be out of here in seven minutes. I got mm. to Popeyes, and I I looked down at my watch and I was like, all right. I looked down at my watch again, and it had been like 20 minutes. Yeah. That, and I no. moved up three cars. Customer service is not a priority at Popeye's. <laughs> no. You're going to – as long as it takes, and you're going to eat what you eat, and you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, sorry. Sorry. Tell, tell us about the sandwich. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, I don't know about y'all, but I got I got my sandwich without pickles or mayonnaise, which from what I heard on Twitter it was the wrong decision because apparently – the pickles are extremely tangy, and, and the mayonnaise is good as well. I I can't attest to that. I can't attest to that. Uh, All I've had is the chicken and, and the bread. What I will say is the the bread is better than Chick Fil A mm. because it's toasted, and I don't and Chick Fil A bread. I feel like they just take it out of the the package and slap some chicken in between it. Mm. Like it doesn't feel like it's toasted to me. It's soft, but the Popeyes the Popeyes was toasted, and you could feel it kind of crunching when you put your hands on it you know <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> this is getting weird right, what's what's the verdict do you prefer the Popeyes? Or yes, yes, yes. you know it, it was my first time having the Popeyes chicken sandwich but just just based off that experience i've had chick-fil-a countless times and pers- personally i would just say i think the quality of chick-fil-a has has gone down recently. So it makes us an easier decision to say that Popeye's chicken sandwich was banging. You're just, you're wrong. Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken. Mm. Damn. I mean, I'll it's almost like to a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich and I'll like try and pull my mouth away. And then I, the chicken gets all like stringy. It's just not right. The quality <laughs> of meat is, is on the downswing on the eighth day. God, I have to open on Sunday soon. Well, I'll just let you throw for their throat. Yeah, we might have like the end of the podcast just like fade out with Dustin talking about his Popeyes chicken biscuits situation, <sighs> his experience that he had. Chicken sandwich, bro. Now I do think though, if if Florida State were to come out and they would have made a honey, if they make one, a honey fried chicken biscuit, I think they would be in some kind of talk nationally for having the best 
chicken biscuit, in my opinion. I, or is it chicken I, biscuit, or am I thinking sandwich? It's, I mean, is everyone's it, kind of throwing around, you know, biscuits or sandwiches, but I feel like if Florida State did have a honey fried chicken biscuit, I, I could feel really confident about saying Florida State will land a top five national class in 20, 2020. <laughs> That's my I, verdict. I personally have had honey fried chicken just by itself. And that kind of changed my life a little bit. I've seen my grades go up. I've seen myself work harder. Um, and I've taken care of the lawn a little bit better. Uh, if you add on a little bit of biscuit action on there, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think you're seeing me become probably the best in act- academics at Florida State. What do they call it? Valedictorian. Uh, so, you know, that could be a chance for me in my future. Uh We'll see. Maybe we can talk to uh, Robert Cooper and Marvin Wilson and get their see if they want to be co-founders or anything. Yeah, all I'll say is Honey Fried Chicken single-handedly brought Marvin Wilson to Tallahassee from Texas. So It did. It did. I might be on to something here. Well, that will be it for the rest of the podcast tonight. Uh, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of content coming to you guys next week for Game Week when Florida State will face Boise State in Jacksonville. A lot of content coming both creatively and also from the site with articles. We're going to get you prepared fully for that game. On the podcast side of things, we have two guests that are going to be on with us previewing Florida State versus Boise State. A former Noel, too, that I think a lot of fans are going to be excited about. I know last year we had Peter Warwick on here. Uh, This year, can't tell you now, but I think you guys will be really excited for it. Someone uh, that I know a lot of fans would like to hear from and maybe haven't heard from in a long while. And we also have a guy covering Florida State currently that is going to join us and help cover the ins and outs of this game that Florida State is going to play uh, next Saturday. As always, you can listen to this podcast on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. If you're on iTunes, feel free to rate us five stars and leave a review if you have any suggestions on what you would like us to cover or ask questions through there, whichever you want to do. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at Hear the Spear and always throw questions there uh, if you ever want to. But that's going to do it. Next week is game week. It's getting close, only 11 days, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>